Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We would be honored if you would join us. My God, please put Dave Filoni behind more Star Wars productions. He is the chosen one. This episode felt like I was literally watching a prequel to Revenge of the Sith. Well, I literally was. We all literally were. This was literally one hour before episode three takes place. The colors, the action, the music, the overall emotion and structure felt so akin to episode three and the prequels in general that it made me sucked right into the action at the start of the episode. That Lucasfilm Limited production screen right at the beginning will have some head scratching and I've already seen some tweets regarding it, but that's just Lucasfilm's company name. Lucasfilm LTD or LFL. So it was just a romanticized screen to start the episode and I loved it. This is part one of four and we're going to be getting a lot longer episodes of The Clone Wars as we finish season seven. This didn't feel like an episode to me. It really felt like a movie. The relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin are shown perfectly as always with the level-headed strict Kenobi and the unorthodox Jedi commander Skywalker. This is it guys. This is really the last of the prequel stuff that we'll get before Anakin turns to the dark side. So we get thrown into the action right away and I'm gonna give a breakdown on everything that happens bit by bit, including a lot of the things that you might have missed because they're very quick but very sweet. So as I said, this episode takes place about an hour before episode three and you can really feel the tension of the Clone Wars are really at their peak just about right now. We start the episode with the narrator telling us that the Jedi have been dispatched to opposite parts of the galaxy in the Outer Rim to help with the Clone Wars, and we get to see some shots of Plo Koon on Cato Nemoidia and Aayla Secura on Felucia. Now, this is where they died during Order 66 and when the clones turned on them, so keep that in mind that they're already on their last mission, meaning will most likely bleed into Order 66, which really excites me. Now, when we see the round table and all the Jedi talking to each other in Hollow, we see Depa Blaba and Caleb Doom, aka Kanan Jarrus from Rebels, can be seen for a split second. Blink and you'll miss it. The episode starts with Cody and the 212th Battalion on Yerbana, where Obi-Wan comes to his aid when a missile is fired his way, and in a very romanticized and cool shot of Kenobi, we see him block it, and the visuals are beyond stunning. The entire team behind this did an amazing job with the lighting and just everything in general. Anakin shows up and asks Kenobi what he's doing down there as he stands amidst thousands of blasts flying through the air as he casually just dodges one, sensing it with the force. This is Anakin at his peak now, at least, you know, Revenge of the Sith Anakin, just about, and it really shows. After faking surrender to bide time until the droid general shows himself and Anakin pulls him with the force and swipes his head clean off, R2 sends in the 501st who are hiding under the bridge. After they win the battle, Anakin and Obi-Wan are hailed by Admiral Yularen, who says someone is sending a transmission to contact them using any subspace frequency, codenamed Fulcrum. They head back to the main ship, and sure enough, it's Ahsoka on the Hollow. 
as she turns to greet a speechless Anakin. Now their interaction through this episode is filled with more facial expressions than actual talking for the most part, and I feel this is the best way to convey their emotions, because sometimes talking can just really ruin things, it's just too much, you know, there's a time to talk and there's a time to just not talk, and Dave Filoni knows what he's doing, for sure. As they meet with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan face to face, this was one of my favorite scenes because the Skywalker theme just fills the air as Ahsoka walks down from the ship to Anakin. You can really get a sense of the force that's just surrounding her at this moment. As Anakin tries to catch up with her on Lost Time, Ahsoka holds her hand up and says we'll have to catch up later. This really shows Ahsoka's character development here, that she's not really just a little girl Padawan anymore. She's turning into a Jedi Knight slowly, if not already. And even though she's in front of her brother, her master, or her former master, Anakin, she knows that there are people that need their help and every minute is important. So she puts aside her need to catch up with her master, even after all this time, to help them. Bo interjects and says every minute we waste here gives Maul an opportunity to slip away. She tells them they don't have enough men for the mission and that she needs their help. Obi-Wan makes a good point that if the Republic aids in war with Mandalore, even on Bo's terms, it would break a treaty between them all that ages 100 years, drawing them into another war. And Bo says, what's one more? Now I really like that we're getting so much more Mandalore and Mandalorian stuff because, well, The Mandalorian is a cool show and we want to learn more about it and about its history. It all ties together really nicely. This is the part where Bo mentions Satine, her sister, and if she meant anything to Obi-Wan. And we see Anakin, and we look at his face, that this is really the first time that he gets wind of Obi-Wan ever having feelings about another woman. A woman in general, romantically. Something I like in this season of The Clone Wars is that Obi-Wan knows about Anakin and Padme, and now Anakin has a bit of dirt on Obi-Wan, knowing about him and Satine more so. Everyone leaves as Anakin takes Ahsoka to show her a surprise, when all the clones salute her as she wonders why saying that they shouldn't salute her because she's not in the Jedi Temple anymore. And Anakin tells her that it's because of their loyalty to her during her time as their commander, and they never will forget that. She was and always will be their commander. This is when we see the 501st having painted their helmets with her orange colors and markings. It's a sign of their love and respect for her. Rex and Ahsoka have a moment, and we can really see this tie into Rebels. Not to mention that part of the trailer where we see Rex and Ahsoka together as he cradles his head. That's maybe, and this, you know, this is just a theory before it actually happens, during Order 66, which is executed while Ahsoka is on Mandalore. So this is the last time Ahsoka and Anakin will see each other, and we kind of get, you know, wind of that. Anakin gives her a box to open as her second surprise, and then the sirens and alarms flood the station and everyone is sent to war. This is literally one hour before Revenge of the Sith. So now watching episode three, it'll never really be the same because we know exactly what's going on in other parts of the galaxy on Mandalore with Ahsoka and Maul. Before Ahsoka can open the box, Obi-Wan runs in and tells Anakin that Grievous is attacking above Coruscant and they worry that he has the Chancellor. So this is really important, so pay attention here. Shock T, as Obi-Wan says, was supposed to be protecting him, but Master Windu hasn't heard any response from her. This scene also backs up that Shock T died at the hands of Grievous, because there were these three different deleted scenes where, well, one of them wasn't deleted, but two deleted scenes where Shock T dies. One was being stabbed in the back by Grievous in front of Anakin and Obi-Wan, another was in Yoda's vision, and the last was being stabbed in the back by Anakin during the temple raid 
when he was executing Order 66 on the Jedi Temple. Now, those two were filmed in live action, her being killed by Grievous and being killed by Anakin. These are found in the deleted scenes of Revenge of the Sith. The Temple one is very interesting because it's actually in the novel. So, Shakti actually tries to talk sense into Anakin from leaving the council chambers, as Mace had ordered him to do, but, you know, he leaves against her wishes anyways, and, well... We all know what happened after that. So this scene, I believe, proves that Grievous is the one in canon to have killed Shakti. And also, mind you, I should mention, that deleted scene of her getting stabbed through the back by Anakin wasn't a completed scene at all. It was just something that was filmed, but never added in. This can be found on the bonus footage for Revenge of the Sith. Ahsoka gets mad and sets the record straight, finally explaining to Obi-Wan's face that this is exactly the type of reason why the Jedi have lost faith in the eyes of people as he tells her that we must go protect the Chancellor. She's mad because Obi-Wan is once again choosing politics instead of protecting the people of Mandalore, who need them more. This is a tough choice because the Chancellor is captured, and unbeknownst to them, he's not the good guy. You know, they actually think he is, but that's not really their fault. The Jedi's constant dwindling in politics is what caused Qui-Gon to lose trust in them and trust the will of the Force more than the Council itself in most cases, and why Dooku left the Order and how it kept Ahsoka from returning. It would have been cool if Anakin and Obi-Wan went to fight Maul. I always wanted to see Maul and Anakin fight, just like you know Anakin did in the comics against a Jedi Temple training droid who he programmed to look and move just like the Zabrak, based on Obi-Wan's memoirs on fighting the Sith Assassin. Now, it was Trace and Rafa who made Ahsoka realize what the Order actually means to the people outside of the Jedi Temple, that they're just far too obsessed with politics and they just kind of do whatever the Republic tells them. This is how that arc ties in together with the whole story, so you can see it's just building her character in the background and, as Ashley Eckstein said on the Rule of Two podcast, that this is all starting to make sense. And it really is. Anakin suggests that even though Ahsoka isn't commander anymore, or part of the GAR, or Grand Army of the Republic, Ahsoka can go on as an advisor to Rex, who they'll promote as commander. This legally wouldn't cross any rules or boundaries for the Jedi or the Republic. Anakin says to her, if you're gonna face Maul, You'll need these. As she opens her lightsabers, they're her original ones she always used. Well, maybe a little bit better, says Anakin, as they show bright blue blades. As Anakin walks away from Ahsoka, she calls his name, and when he turns, we know what's about to happen. We get that beautiful music, some Across the Stars themes were in there as well, if you listen to it closely, and it definitely made me well up with emotion. A big tearjerker for a lot of us. She wishes her old master good luck. He looks down, then back at her and gives a nod as he walks away forever. Now, this is really poetic because the next time that she sees his eyes, they will be through the eyes of Vader. It's really crazy to think this is all happening during Episode 3 as he goes to fight Dooku, Ahsoka goes to Mandalore. Ahsoka knows something feels weird too, as she looks down in doubt, as if sensing something, perhaps. Ahsoka boards the ship with the 501st and Bo as they head to Mandalore, where she absolutely wreaks havoc, like she's just dicing them all up. She's jumping through the sky, slashing and dashing all of those in her path. She's truly a Jedi Knight now, or you know, at least it feels that way. She's incredible with her sabers, and the Force. As she and Bo make their way in, Bo heads to the Siege of Mandalore to deal with Almec, and Ahsoka takes the clones to find Maul in the Undercity, leading them into a trap as Bo finds out. As Captain Vaughn informs Ahsoka, as he was cutting off access to the Undercity, they saw Gar Saxon running into the sewage portals. Ahsoka commands the men to follow her in. 
Now this whole scene near the end here, this felt like a horror flick as they were hunting, but ended up being the hunted. Bo takes out Almec and relays to Ahsoka that she's just being led into a trap, but her comm link is too far from the surface to get the signal. And let me just say, Bo-Katan is a fighter, and I liked seeing her take Almec out. Defeated, he tells Bo that Maul wanted the Jedi to be brought here by her, but they brought the wrong one. Ahsoka gets ambushed, all the clones die, and Maul finally reveals himself to her with all his men. Now, take note, when we see Maul, we get the same Sith chance we got in Episode 1 when he got out of his ship on Tatooine, which I thought was cool. Maul is enraged as to why she's here, and not Kenobi. End of the episode and end of Part 1. Now, this was my favorite episode of the whole season. It was intense, action-packed, the pace was amazing, and it showed the true relationship of the trio once again. Only more evolved now as you know all their characters are moving further into their unique arcs. Now in another video I'm going to be explaining where Maul has been between seasons 5 through 7 in canon for those wondering if you haven't read the Son of Dathomir comic. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I cannot wait until next week. I am extremely excited for part 2 of the Siege of Mandalore. This is absolutely amazing. It felt so Star Wars-y, you know? It's just, it's a dream come true. Hit like on this breakdown video if you enjoyed it. Catch you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always. Now, fulfill.